seven, Stan Phillips. Good morning, Met fans. How you doing? Happy Monday to you. Well, what a weekend in Florida. How often does a team win a four-game series by sweeping on the road? Well, the beloved Metropolitans did that yesterday. And in short, the Mets are riding high right now. And who knows? They may get some additional help for the bullpen and perhaps the right-handed DH spot for Tuesday's 6 p.m. trade deadline. Stay tuned, we'll see what happens. But after the 9-3 win over the Marlins on Sunday that featured a season-high 19 hits, the Mets have a six-game winning streak as they head for Washington, D.C. for a three-game series, and that could be just what the doctor ordered, especially since that will include the long-awaited season debut of one Jacob deGrom on Tuesday. And Mad Max goes today. Should be fun watching. In short, the Braves are hanging close. Three games back with a five-game series coming at City Field. So hopefully the Mets can maybe pad a game or two in Washington against the Braves in the standings. If not, it's going to be one hell, well, it's going to be a hell of a five-game series anyway. Uh, And what are some of the takeaways from Sunday's win? Who says the offense needs help? Everything happened yesterday. Of course, one game doesn't make a season, but the Mets unloaded on the Marlins for a season-high 19 hits on Sunday. Seven of the offensive starters had multi-hit games as Francisco Endor, Jeff McNeil, and Mark Hanha each had three hits. All the hitting added up to nine runs, even without a home run. The lighting SNY analyst Keith Hernandez in the process. Keith even said, this is what happens when you hit line drives and don't try to hit home runs. This is just a tsunami here. Perhaps most impressively, though, the Mets struck out just once. Daniel Vogelback was the victim on the day, something you rarely see in this era of high strikeout totals. The Mets did most of the damage against Pablo Lopez, a very good starter, whose ERA jumped to 3.03 to 3.41 after giving up six runs in two and two-thirds innings. The 12 hits Lopez surrendered were a career high. In a three-game series, the Mets scored 19 runs. Yet because they struggled in recent weeks to score runs, they have already made trades for Volbach and Tywin Nyquin to beef up the left-handed hitting and may add a right-handed hitting DH as well before Tuesday's trade deadline. We'll have to see what teams are asking for in return and who is available. Now, for all the offense on Sunday, the Mets pitching was vital to the sweep in Miami, dominating the Marlins. They allowed a total of seven runs in three games and only four runs over the final 26 innings of the series. After some soft contact against Chris Bassett, produced three runs in the first inning on Friday night. It was something of a perfect storm as the Mets have pitched as well as anyone in baseball over the last month while a less than improving Marlin offense has been further weakened by key injuries at date. In fact, coming into Sunday, the Mets' 2.46 team ERA since July 1st was the best in the majors, 
And since July 3rd, their starting pitching ERA of 1.95 was also the best in baseball. Meanwhile, the Marlins had gotten 11 straight home games without a home run until Christian LeBlanc took Walker over the left field wall in the sixth inning. Taiwan Walker was cruising along until the Marlins scored two runs in the sixth to knock the Mets starter out after five and two-third innings. Walker did not get the win, going to nine and two for the season with a 2.79 ERA. Now, Max Scherzer aside, Walker has been the Mets' most consistent starter throughout the season. He finished July 3-0 with a 2.94 ERA. It looks like McNeil has busted out of his recent slump. His batting average had fallen from 238 from 238 to 287. Uh, 338 to 287. He's hitting only 162 in July. Until these final two games in a month that saw him go 5 for 9, including his first home run in over a month on Saturday, that prompted his teammates to greet him with a silent treatment on the bench. With the 5 for 9 in the last two days, McNeil raised his batting average back up to 295. And he looked locked in, hitting the ball to all fields as he was doing for much of the first half of the season. Now, Lindor may be the Mets' hottest hitter. He's on a 12 for 21 tear over the last six games, going 3 for 5 on Sunday, raising his batting average to 262. And that is the highest it has been since May 30th. When Dorr hit 320 in July with 11 extra base hits, including five home runs, five doubles, and one triple. His 786 OPS is the highest it has been since June 3rd. Now, Vogelback continues to look like a nice addition for the Mets, making them considerably more dangerous versus right handing pitching. With his 2-for-4 day on Sunday, Vogelback is now hitting 375, 6-for-16 in his last six games as a Met, and his plate discipline has been obvious, resulting in five walks. Throwing a hit-by-pitch on Sunday, and Vogelback has a 545 on-base percentage. Now, what's next for the Mets? Well, like I said before, they begin a three-game series with the Nationals on the road, and that begins tonight with Max Scherzer on the mound against Patrick Corbin. And Corbin has really had his troubles this year. And we know how good Max is pitching. Should be an easy win. But like they say in baseball, you never know. You gotta play the game. Now here are some of the audio highlights from last yesterday's game. Drills this ball toward the right field corner. Extra bases for Francisco Lindor. The game's first hit. A one-out double in the first inning. Alonzo drives one toward the right field corner. That's a fair ball. Lindor will score. Alonzo has driven in his 85th run. Vogelbach hammers one to right. That's a base hit. Alonzo gets the stop sign at third. De La Cruz with a strong throw in. Three straight hits for the Mets. Hard hit ball there by McNeil. It's another hit. To the wall, Jeff McNeil, two for two today. Aquin hits it toward right center. That falls in for a base hit, and it bounces all the way toward the warning track. It scores McNeil. Naquin goes to third. The relay throw too late. It bounces away, but Naquin will stay put after an RBI triple. His first hit is a man, and it's four nothing. Bouncing ball. Hit for Canna. Naquin will score another run for the Mets, another hit. 
straight down the third baseline. Sanchez plays it off the sidewall. A good throw into second, but Guillorme's got a double. The 15th hit for the Mets in this game. Mazika hooks a base hit to right. Guillorme will be held at third as De La Cruz shows off his arm again. Another hit for the Mets. That is 16 hits. Three. Bouncing ball. That should get a run home. Nimmo going to first. He's safe. That gives Brandon an RBI as Guillorme scores. The Mets have a 7-0 lead. Strikeout uh, lineup like the Braves. Oh, Alonso nice. handles a hot shot off the bat of Sanchez. Wow. De La Cruz scores, but a good play by Pete. There's a drive off the bat of LeBlanc. That's his first major league homer. Wow. Finally, a Marlin hits one out. Charles LeBlanc does the damage. And the Mets lead is 7-3. Hey, infield in and over shifted. Nemo hits it right into that shift. Wendell looks oh, to second. Oh, no. That's going to allow a run oh. to score. Canna comes home, and it's 8-3. off of him and goes into right center field. Nimmo's going to be waved around. The Marlins throw it toward the plate. Nimmo is safe. So there you have it. The highlights from yesterday's big game. Wow. It was just one hit after another. And you can see the Marlins were kind of deflated as the game progressed because the Mets were just hammering them. Good day overall to be a Mets fan and to watch the Mets. How about Wayne Rendazzo, who's calling all the games this weekend in Florida? He, I was very impressed. I liked him when he was doing games in spring training. He's an occasional fill-in. But he's getting more and more comfortable. And he was just great with Keith and Ron. And I know how uh, Howie. I know uh, Gary Cohen's got a long way to go before retirement. But I think the replacement is going to be Wayne Rendazzo somewhere down the line. He is really, really good. He's in, like Gary, a big Met fan. And he's got knowledge. And he knows how to call a game. Now, like I was saying before, it wasn't really the uh, gaudiest stat of the day when the Mets exploded for 19 hits. That happens during the course of a year. and uh, But it may have been indicative of how this team approaches things at the plate. And it could make this team very dangerous come October. And one of the reasons why they got 19 hits, they kept putting the ball in play. They only struck out one time in Miami. And like I said, that almost never, ever happens in today's game. Double-digit strikeouts become practically the norm all around the big leagues. But the Mets have pushed back against the trend all season with their contact-style hitting. With 768 strikeouts, they have the third lowest total in the majors, tied with the Houston Astros, and behind a couple of slap-hitting teams in the Washington Nationals and Cleveland Guardians. So you can see the winning teams basically... Uh, don't make contact like the Mets do if the Nationals and Guardians are two of the teams uh, that they're behind. But when you keep getting base hits like they do, uh, the Mets are going to be very, very dangerous. And the Mets call themselves grinders, and that's exactly what they have been. They had been going through a wall offensively for a month or so, but they do have seemed to rediscover their ability to wear pitchers down. And uh, they keep grinding until they break the other team down. And that's what they did to the Marlins this, week, this weekend. 
On Sunday, they weren't facing some fringe starter either. Pablo Lopez is one of the better pitchers in the National League. He's not necessarily a strikeout monster. He came into the game averaging 9.2 strikeouts per nine innings, which ranked him eighth highest in the NL. But you could see he strikes out guys, and the Mets just weren't falling for it. Like I said, the only strikeout victim was Daniel Vogelbach, looking at a fastball in the third inning. It wasn't even a swing and a miss, and that was it. Otherwise, the Mets pounded Lopez to the tune of 12 hits in two and two-third innings, the highest total he's surrendered in his career. It added up to a laughter of a win. And now, like I said, the Mets have a six-game winning streak headed into D.C. against the Lowly Nationals. And like I said, Jacob deGrom is coming back in this series. He's pitching the middle game. And the vibe can't be much better about the Mets at this moment, even if there's some probable uncertainty in the clubhouse as Tuesday's 6 p.m. trade data line approaches. Now, as we touched on before, they're going to need probably, if they're going to get anything, that their biggest needs are late-inning bullpen help and a potential right-handed DH. But whatever their needs to make them a more viable championship contender, the Mets again stamped themselves as the epitome of professionalism, something that has stood out since Buck Showalter's arrival with the sweep of the Marlins and the low-energy atmosphere that has closed roof of Miami. After all, they were coming off those high-intensity games with the Yankees, making them potentially ripe for a letdown in a place like Miami. Yet Showalter dismissed the notion while take, talking to reporters after the win. Showalter basically said, This group stays in really, really well. They don't seem to get caught up in some of the things that are out there. These guys really realize that every game is an obstacle in their way. They came out with that type of intensity you need to face in a guy like Lopez. Now, as such, the Mets suddenly look like the team that got all those big hits in April and May, the team that led the world in hitting with two outs, with two strikes, seemingly always delivering when it counted most. Certainly, they had gone cold for a bit, but now the likes of Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, and Mark Canna, all of whom had three hits Sunday, are swinging hot bats again. And clearly, Vogelback is a weapon against right-handed pitching. I wasn't sure about the trade, but it's looking good so far. Kind of said it's just a matter of sticking to who they are as an offense, starting with the G word, grinding. Uh, just as they were in the beginning of the season, if they keep doing that, that is the Mets' identity, and that's where they want to be. And it all made for an explosive o offensive performance on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, the fact that, like I said, they only struck out once, was amazing. Good teams make contact when they have to. And this team is doing it most of the year. Especially when Dorcas, he's not chasing as much now. He's hitting the ball hard where it's pitched. He is the centerpiece of this lineup. As much as I like uh, Alonzo, to me, Lindor is probably the most valuable player on this team. And when he's swinging the bat well, everybody just feeds off it. Uh, and it looks like everybody on this team is believing in the contact approach. You don't see them trying to do too much. You don't see them over-swinging. They got guys who are hot now, but when I watch them, I see a team that will be tough out in October because they'll have good at-bats even against the weak pitching. There's a long way to go until then, of course, and for now the Mets can relax for a second because the Braves keep winning. They can't relax, I should say, because the Braves keep winning. And with their showdown of sorts at City Field next weekend, a five-game series, the Mets might be playing their best baseball of the season going into it. Let's just hope they can keep it going. Perhaps the Grom can raise that ceiling a notch higher this week. We'll see. But for now, the Mets are grinding pitchers until they break again, and that made for quite a show on Sunday. And let me repeat, just one strikeout on Sunday by the Met batters. Now with the trade deadline uh, looming, it's 
everyone's pie-eyed and they think they have all the answers on who they can get. But let's remember last year, a year ago, the Mets were in a different place. They were excited by the dual adrenaline rushes of strong first half and ambitious new owner Steve Cohen. The team and its found, fans found themselves swept up in the need to do something, anything at the trade deadline and to demand that it be big. The Mets were being run by Sandy Allison interim GM Zach Scott. They engaged in serious discussions about high-profile players like Wilson Contreras, Jose Barrios, Barrios, and Josh Donaldson. And finally, they landed Javier Baez from the Cubs. Baez and Trevor Williams cost prospect Pete Crow Armstrong, which didn't bother the Mets much at the time. But the team is bothered by it now, and at least motivated enough by Crow Armstrong's continued development for another organization that is determined to avoid another deal of that type this week, even if it means adding nothing to the lineup. Talking over the past few days to Mets and league sources about the team's progress with the Cubs on Contreras and the Boston Red Sox about J.D. Martinez, it's clear that Billy Epworth's front office might as well be wearing t-shirts in their war room that read, we aren't doing another Pete Crow Armstrong trade. The problem is, that's exactly what the other clubs are trying to get them to do at present. And as an aside, I think Scott and Alderson fulfilled the assignment of their of last year's trade deadline. It's easy to criticize them in that respect. <clears throat> Looking back, and at that time, they were under pressure to win a big name and they delivered. But you have to look at the big picture, specifically when the Mets are unwilling to move top prospect Francisco Alvarez for anyone but Juan Soto or Shohei Otani. League sources say that they feel essentially the same way about Mark Vientos, the team's fifth-ranked prospect. Epworth leans strongly against moving him for a free agent fee like Martinez or Christian Vasquez. In 2020, the Red Sox tried to trade Vasquez for a package highlighted by Vientos. The Cubs have indicated the type of return they expect for Contreras is more than the Mets will pay. If it doesn't come down, the Mets will walk away. Now, information like this is coming out of New York market, and it might read like maybe the Mets are posturing. We'll see what happens for Tuesday. But this aversion to trading a top prospect does seem like an authentic position for the following reasons. One, Ebler is under no pressure from Steve Cohen or Alderson to make a deadline splash. Cohen is often misunderstood as an owner who acts out of Steinbrenner impulses. But he made it clear to Epler he wants a strong forest system and a path to sustainable success. And Sandy Alderson is a conservative baseball guy, and he has community, communicated the same. Now, the Mets lineup looks deep and diverse again, defined by tough at-bats and unselfish move-the-line approach preached by new hitting coach Eric Chavez. Mainstays include Brandon Nimmo and Jeff McNeil, and they practiced that approach, and now they're joined by new, fresher faces like Mark Hanna and Daniel Vogelback. Put those bullet points together, and you begin to realize that the Mets will only add a bat before Tuesday if the price comes down. If not, the team will likely promote Vientos and proceed with trades that bolster the bullpen. Now, of course, one of the things we're all talking about is Jacob DeGrom making his 2022 debut on Tuesday in the nation's capital. Everyone, from the coaching staff, teammates, fans, DeGrom himself, is just happy he can get the ball on the mound in a big league game again. Uh, DeGrom said he's definitely excited. It's been a long time. This has been a pretty slow process of coming back. So excited to be out there. Now, I'm sure, his, like DeGrom said, his nerves haven't set in yet, but they will. DeGrom even admitted it might be even feel like the big league debut since he'd been waiting longer for this moment. But it was necessary to be cautious and deliberate with his rehab for the ace. DeGrom dealt with the stress reaction to right spacula injury that occurred during spring training this year. 
and that's kind of looked at to see what happened and uh, with a quick ramp up. So they played it safe by taking extra days to make sure everything was where they wanted it to be. And there was no setback in the process. Now throughout the rehab process, he felt good. He had a couple of minor things that, where he took the day off. Uh, looks like he's confident he's healed. And his latest rehab start came with AAA Syracuse where he was roughed up a bit but got through 67 pitches for being pulled. Rom said his calves were cramping, but they considered that the final start before returning for the Mets a successful one. Now, what can we expect in Washington? Well, everyone's going to have to try and figure that one out. The Grom noted show Walter and pitching coach Jeremy Hefner haven't discussed the pitch count limit with him, though 10 to 15 pitches more in the last outing might be expected. Uh, he'll probably just grind out his uh, start, see what happens. But it's going to be good to see him wearing the orange and blue again. Uh, he's ready to help the team. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he wants to be a part of this magical season so far. And his ultimate goal is to win a World Series. Watching these guys go out there has made him want to compete, have fun, and just go out there and compete with them. And here's what Jacob DeGrom had to say about his comeback. I'm definitely excited. Um, you know, like you said, it's been a long time. Um, you know, this has been a pretty slow process of coming back. So um, excited to be out there. Uh, nerves haven't really set in yet, but, you know, I'm sure Tuesday I'll be pretty nervous. And uh, uh, I have a feeling it's going to feel like my debut. So um, I'm definitely excited, though. After I did it, it didn't take long to feel good. That's where it was, you know, kind of an interesting thing of trying not to do too much. So. Um, you know, it was constant contact with these guys and, and tried to stick with the plan and not move too fast, um, you know. And we looked at why we thought it happened with a quick ramp up. So, um, you know, played it safe by taking extra days and making sure that everything was where we wanted it. Um, you know, that way there were no setbacks in this process. You know, I feel really good. So, um, you know, throughout the um, rehab process, felt good. Um, you know, had a couple little minor things where we took an extra day, but, you know, that was just making sure everything was where it needed to be, and, um, uh, you know, I'm confident, you know, it, everything's healed, um, and it felt good throughout the whole process. You, you go out there, and you just, you leave it all out on the field, you know, you, you play the game how you've always played it, and, and, you know, you do your best to do everything you can to stay healthy, and, and leave it all out there and help the team, try to help the team win. Going into spring, you know, with the lockout and the unknown, um, you know, maybe I didn't have enough time to build up. You know, you look at a stress reaction and what that injury kind of is, it's ramping up too quick. So, um, you know, the amount of time that it took for me to get back to here, um, you know, I feel like I'm in a good position to stay healthy. You know, I think the main thing was probably loading up too fast, but then uh, with this downtime, I took a lot of time to look at 18 and 19. I feel like, you know, I felt like I was at my best mechanically and I took a lot of time to look at those videos and and kind of try to get back there I noticed I was a little more um, upright and towards the first base leaning a little bit more towards first base you know on my follow-through than in those years so um, you know with this time and able to work on things I feel like you know I got my mechanics back to where I want them <laughs> I don't even know it's just as far as you know how much you miss the game you want to be out there playing um you know i've said it before every day you're able to put this uniform on you're thankful for and it's been a while since i've been able to go out there and compete so um i'm ready this team's exciting i'm ready to help these guys win um honestly haven't thought about it i'm just looking forward to getting out there and pitching um you know uh watching him and what he does is impressive you know um so 
um, try to go out there and, and you know put up zeros and you know follow, you know hopefully he starts us off with a, a win there and you know I can help continue that. You no, know, I've said it before about you know personal goals or personal goals, but this is a team game. The ultimate goal is to win a World Series. Um, you know, and um, watching these guys go out there and compete has been fun. You know, but it's a lot more fun to go out there and compete with them. Um, like I said. You know, in 2015, when we made it to the World Series and fell a little short, that was some of the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. So hopefully get back there and actually win the whole thing this year. I think Buck said I had some, my calves were cramping up. So, um, you know, everything's felt good along the way. Um, so that was more intentional, just trying to get the pitch count up um, and making through it safely and getting out there for uh, being ready for Tuesday. Do you think that's kind of where you'll be going forward or are we going to see the usual 100 punch We'll see. <laughs> Anything change with the playing the opt-out since we last asked you? Yeah, that's still the same. And there you have it, Jacob DeGrom giving, up, giving us his own update. And looks like he's still looking to opt-out. So good luck, Jacob. Hopefully everything works out. You do well, and the Mets sign you uh, when the time comes. Now it's time for a shameless plug of this podcast. If you're not a subscriber... Please subscribe. We try to do one almost every day. So subscribe and you'll be alerted on when one is ready on your favorite carrier. And if you're not a member of the Facebook group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, check it out. Great content there every day. And great group members who participate. And we talk Mets every day. Check it out. It's New York Mets Baseball Way of Life on Facebook. Now, as we do every day, it's time for the Mets Trivia and Jeopardy questions of the day. Who is ready? Let me see a raise of hands. Okay. Let's do it then. First, a trivia question. Who is the Mets' all-time home run leader against the Miami Marlins? Today's Jeopardy. As always, two clues we give you. First clue. On December 10, 2015, he signed a two-year, $18.5 million contract with the New York Mets. Second clue was named National League Player of the Week for the week ending August 27, 2016. Lock in your answers, and we'll be back at the end of the podcast to tell you how you did. Now, as we always do, it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays. Three birthdays to celebrate today. First one is former Met manager George Bamberger, born this date in 1925. Second is Greg Jeffries, born this date in 1967. And the third one is Brian Bohannon, born this date in 1968. And transactions in Met history on this date. The Mets traded Mookie Wilson, yes, fan favorite Mookie Wilson to the Toronto Blue Jays for Jeff Musselman and Mike Brady. This date in 2015, the Mets signed free agent Tim Stauffer. On this date in 2016, the Mets traded Antonio Bastardo to the Pirates for John Neese. John Neese, he was an opening day starting pitcher one day for the Mets, one year for the Mets. Uh, good lefty. Get innings out of him. Good number three, number four guy. Uh, Mets traded Dilson Herrera and Max Wotel to the Reds for Jay Bruce. Bruce never developed into the power hitter that Mets had hoped. They tried twice with Bruce, two trades to get Jay Bruce, but it never worked out. He just didn't hit the ball the way he did with other teams while he was in Met. And Dilson Herrera was one of those hype Met prospects that never really panned out. So happy birthday to all those fine gentlemen. And now let's talk about some other stuff that's going on in the group. 
We mentioned that over the last six games, Francisco indoors, 12 for 23, 522, four doubles, homer, and four RBIs. Way to go, Francisco. And we noted that, I always said this, you win your division by beating the teams in your division, and the Mets are 31 and 12 against the National League East this season. And how about Edwin Diaz? Is he having the best year ever by a Met reliever? He became only the second player since at least 1901 to allow no runs, two hits or fewer, one walk or less, and have 25 strikeouts in a single month. He joins Craig Kimbrell in May 2017 as the only pitcher to accomplish this feat in a single month. Way to go, Edwin. And what's the record currently for the Mets shortstop uh, record for most RBIs in the season? Well, it's Jose Reyes, 81 in 2006. Ahmad Rosario, 72 in 2019. And Francisco Endor closing fast with 69 in 2022. And what are the lowest ERAs by a Met pitcher in a single month since 1990? Well, Jacob deGrom, 0.51 in April 2021. Frank Viola, 0.86 in April 1991. And Carlos Carrasco, 0.90 this month, July 2022. And how about Pete Alonso? The Mets are playing there, 100, played 101 games so far this year, and Pete Alonso has 85 RBIs. Now, who were the Mets leaders with 100 RBIs after 101 games in a season? Why, it's Pete Alonso. This year, 85. Piaz had 83 in 2000. And Carlos Beltran had 82 in 2006. And Pete's batting 444 since the All-Star break. And yesterday, the Mets, for the seventh time in their history, they collected at least 19 hits, but did not hit a single home run. Prior to the, today, the last time they did that was on May 3rd, 2017, against the Braves. So what a day yesterday, huh? And that's some of the good stuff we're talking about. I asked, who has the Met 1976 yearbook? Remember the cover? It's in the group site. Got a nice picture of a one of beautiful Gary Carter bobbleheads out there. Uh, Mike Freed gives his take on the games, as always. And then we noted that uh, Buck Showalter was recently late for the team bait bus. He finally gets outside, and the bus horn is honking. And who was honking the horn? Max Scherzer. We asked, what is the first thing that pops to your head when I say Casey Stengel? Richard Rose says, amazing. Warren Handy says, Ed Cranepool. And Don Laub says, Yankees and Mets. So that's some of the great stuff that's in the group. Check us out. And now, as always, we're going to give you the answers to the Trivia and Jeopardy question of the day. So let's see how you did. The trivia question, once again, was, who is the all-time home run leader against the Marlins for the Mets? Well, the correct answer is the El Captain America, David Wright with 26. Congrats to John Tierney on being the first to submit the correct answer. Then we asked... The Jeopardy question of the day, two clues as always, on December 10, 2015, he signed a two-year $18.5 million contract with the Mets. And he was named National Player of the Week for the week ending August 27, 2016. Who is it? Well, the correct response is, who is Adrubo Cabrera? Congrats to, again, John Tierney on getting that right. Good job, John. Swept the board today. And... We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Max Scherzer against the Washington Nationals. It's always fun when Max is on the mound. And he's going against Patrick Corbin 
And that game will be on SNY tonight. So check it out. You never get enough Mets action, especially when you got Scherzer and DeGrom going. And today we're fortunate enough to have Max Scherzer going today. Mets will be going into that game with a 64 and 37 record. And the Nationals, well, they're just about the flip side, 35 and 68. Patrick Corbin is really taking his lumps. He could possibly lose 20 games this year. He's 4 and 14 with a 6.49 ERA. Max is 6-2 with a 2.09 ERA. So let's talk about that game tomorrow and talk about all the other stuff going in the world today. I met world today. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the beginning of the series. And it's going to be quite a week. Three with the Nationals and five with the Braves. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. And let's go Mets.